Here we go. Hamilton Hume, 1824, was an explorer in Australia, obviously at the beginning of that nation. And he was uh, given the assignment, uh, either by someone else or by himself, to find the land pass, if you will, from the city of Sydney to Port Phillip Bay, which would later become the city of Melbourne. Up to that point, they were actually traveling by ship to go between these two cities, these two ports, but he was finding the land route. And so he had a group of explorers with him. They were traveling through just enormous uh, difficulties and they had been traveling for quite some time. They were exhausted, they were tired, and they weren't sure if their journey was gonna be successful. And so they were wanting to quit. The men that were with him wanted to quit. Please, let's turn back. We're not gonna find it. We can't go on. We're running low on supplies. Please, let's just go back. And he convinced them. He said, listen, see that mountain right there? Let's go to that mountain because from that mountain, we'll climb the mountain, and from that mountain, we will be able to see the ocean. And that'll let us know we're just a little distance from our destination. So they agreed. And they traveled on to that mountain, they climbed that mountain, and when they reached the top, they looked as far as they could look, and all they saw was land. They were so discouraged, they were so disappointed, that they actually called that mountain Mount Disappointment. It's still called that today. Mount Disappointment. Have you ever been there? When you thought you were going to reach a certain plateau, you thought you were going to go to a certain place or be involved in a certain thing, and thinking that it was going to bring such rich reward, thinking that it was going to, to cause an affirmation of all of your efforts, and if I can just do this, if I can just reach that, then I will be affirmed for all of my actions. And yet when you got there and when you accomplished that or met that goal, you realized that there was disappointment. What those explorers did not know on that day was just 50 years later on that same mountain, there would be people mining gold. They were standing on top of a mountain that had gold in it. It was right under their feet. But they couldn't see the gold because they were looking at their goal and they missed it. I would submit to you today that in every situation of our lives, even when we are facing disappointment, even when we are looking at what we thought would be the epitome of success and we feel disappointed, deflated, let down, I would submit to you that in Christ, there's gold in the middle of that disappointment. In Psalm 34, 19, the Bible tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Romans 8, 28 says that the Lord works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. I'll get that verse out sooner or later. When we only see disappointment, we must look behind, below, and beyond the surface to find the gold that God has in that moment of disappointment. It was a time in King David's life when he was with his band of raiders, he was with his army, and they left a place called Ziglag. They left their wives and their children, and they went off to war. And when they came back, they realized that the city had been burned down, and all of the wives and all the children had been captured. 
And it was in that moment when his men were going to stone him and kill him because he was the leader. And they looked at him as making a bad decision. You left our wives and our children unguarded, and now they're gone. What are we going to do? And they were going to kill David. And the Bible tells us what David did. It says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. I don't know what he did. I don't know what he said. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know the, the mantra that he was saying, but the Bible says he encouraged himself. There are times when we just must face the fact we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord and then he prayed and worshiped. Sometimes it needs to be in that order to where we come to the Lord and we're saying, you know what, before I even go to prayer, I'm going to remind myself of who God is. I'm going to remind myself that God is the one who never fails. God is the one who works all things together for my good. God is the one who declared that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. He is the one that declared nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing in my past, future, present, nothing above me, below me, no demon, no angel, no nothing can separate me from his love. Now I'm ready to go before my God, not as a victim, but as a victor. God, I don't understand this situation. This is a disappointing situation, but you are still God and you are still good. We go to God like that. Then we begin to be able to see the gold that is hidden beyond the view of disappointment. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. That's our verse today that we're looking at. If you have your Bible, your iPad, or whatever you've got. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope, everyone please say the word hope. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces Perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to stop for a moment right now and I want us to pray a very simple prayer to say, Holy Spirit, I'm opening up the door of my life to you today, right now. Would you speak to my heart? and change my disappointments into gold. Let's pray that. Father God, you know all things. You know everything we've ever been through, what we're going through right now. You know this year called 2020 that it's been very unusual. There have been many disappointments. And yet, God, you specialize in the gold. You specialize in bringing really great stuff out of really weird stuff. And so, Lord, we open up the door of our heart to you right now and help us to see what you want us to see in and because of our disappointments. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll notice in this verse, it talks about hope, but hope being a four-step process. We're talking about the glory of God and the hope in the glory of God. 
The glory of God is not in mountains and in stars and in planets. The glory of God is found in the grace and mercy that he gives to you and I, sinners who have rejected him, and yet he loves us with an undying, unfailing, perfect love. That's the glory of God. This hope, the four-step process in this verse begins with suffering. Now, that's something that we've, we've suffered a little bit this year. We've been inconvenienced this year. But truly, in many people's lives, there is the genuineness of suffering. There's the genuineness of suffering because of other people's sins. And there's the genuine suffering because of our own sin. And yet God takes all of that suffering and he works it together for our good. In his book, uh, The Road Less Traveled, Scott, Peck's, Scott Peck begins that book with a three-word sentence. Life is difficult. <laughs> Just makes you want to read the whole book. The first three words, life is difficult. But he goes on in the next couple of sentences by saying this, once you realize that life is difficult, then suddenly life is no longer difficult. Because when you don't know that life is difficult, you're not expecting difficulties, you're not expecting hardships, and hardships come, it kind of knocks you off course. You're just like, whoa, where did that come from? But when you know there's going to be difficulties, when you know there's going to be disappointments, then all of a sudden you're not rocked by that. You, you take it in stride, and you recognize, okay, everybody gets hit, everybody gets knocked around, things happen, we don't have to like it, but we can still love God. So suffering is a reality in our lives, but it leads us to an understanding about disappointment. Now, if you look at the word disappointment, we gotta look at the root of that word, which is what? Appointment. The dis is in front of it. Appointment, what is an appointment? It is a set meeting, usually with a purpose. And so these guys standing on Mount Disappointment, they were looking like, like we had an appointment. We were told that if we climbed this mountain, we'd be able to see the ocean, and we can't. They had an appointment that was disappointing because dis is then the opposite. You thought you had an appointment. Now suddenly you don't have an appointment. You've been there. I've been there. The appointment, we thought we can, we should, if we, and then suddenly things don't happen the way we thought they were going to happen. And yet God works all things to, for our good. Our hope is in God's glory and not in ours. What's interesting in the book of Acts and the apostles' uh, response to what was happening to all of their suffering and all of their persecution in Acts 5.41, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the, the religious leaders of the day, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, for the name of Christ. But suffering produces something. It produces perseverance. Another word for perseverance is patience. When we suffer, we recognize that it's not on our timing. Haven't we learned this year our timing is subject to other factors? Y'all okay out there? We recognize that we don't get everything we want when we want it, how we want it. Suffering produces patience. And July 4th, 1952, Florence Chadwick decided to 
swim the 26 miles from Catalina Island to Long Beach, California. Though in July, the water is cold. That's just weird to a guy that grew up in Florida. But anyway, the water's very cold. Sharks were, were swimming around her. She had a boat spotting and all of those things. But in that morning, there was a fog that rolled into that area. And so normally, she would be able to see the shore. She would be able to see her goal. But in that morning, she couldn't. She swam and swam. She wanted to give up many times. And they kept encouraging her, no, keep going, keep going, you'll make it, keep going, you'll make it. But finally, she had had all that she could handle, and she quit, and she gave up. It was a 26-mile journey from the island to the coast. She had swam 25 and a half miles. And later in an interview, she said, if I could have just seen the shore, I would have kept going. You know, sometimes you just need to keep your vision. You just need to keep persevering, keep persevering, keep going. Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, parents of young children, just keep the vision. Just keep the vision. They're going to make it. Just keep the vision. Do you think they're going to kill each other? Especially if there's boys, right? Girls will talk each other to death. Boys will just fist fight. Oh, that was so, that was so politically incorrect. That was just so, man. Scientists say girls talk more, okay? I'm just leaving it at that, okay? You just got to keep going. Your finances are going to take a dip. Keep the vision. Keep going. Don't give up. Your marriage is going to go through stuff. You're going to go through some really highs and maybe some lows, and things are going to happen. Life changes. You change. He changes. She changes. Everything changes, and everyone changes. Keep the vision. Keep going. Keep swimming. Keep moving. You'll go through some disappointments. The key is don't stop in the middle of the disappointment. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. James 1, 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So suffering produces that perseverance, and perseverance produces character. That's what the Word tells us in Romans. Character. There's a verse that I would suggest that you Teach to your children, and that is 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I had a pastor's wife when I was in my 20s. She had an old saying, uh, if you lay down with the dogs, you'll get up with the fleas. I don't know how theologically correct that is, but... We've got to be careful who we're around because character is developing within us. God wants us to be friends of sinners, friends of those who don't follow Christ, but he doesn't want their ways to wear off on us. And so we have character. We have a bedrock that we stand on, God's word, what God is telling us. You've seen the picture of the iceberg in which 10% uh, of the iceberg is showing and 90% of the iceberg is underwater. It cannot be seen unless obviously you go underwater. And of course, the illustration is so 
wonderful. The 10% is what people see. 10% of you is what people see. They, they see your smile. They see how you look. They see what you do and how you act and all that. But what they don't see is what underlies all of that that they see, which causes you to act the way you act and do what you do and have the gifts and talents that you have. It's what is underneath that causes what is seen to be able to be seen. And that is what we are developing, what people aren't seeing, what they can't see. Jesus taught the most popular parable, which is the prodigal son. More people know that parable than any other parable, the prodigal son. And what did he teach? What was he trying to communicate about the prodigal son? It is simple. It says, do what is right. No matter what your title is, do what is right. And do what is right when it's difficult. It's not always easy to do what is right. It's not always easy to vote. Go vote. Do what is right when it's difficult for someone else. we got to get out of ourselves and recognize that God has developed character within us so that we can help other people. But lastly, we've got to do what is right when it's difficult for someone else when nobody else is even watching. And that's character. What people don't see. But that leads us to hope, the fourth part, hope. Hope that says, I'm still believing. I'm still moving forward. I I'm, I'm, I'm still have a desire in me. I'm, I'm standing on the, the, the top of Mount Disappointment, but I'm not going to lose my hope. I'm standing on the place that I thought something was going to happen, and it's not happening, but I will not lose my hope. The reason why you're here today and the reason why there's such a wonderful, great crowd here today is because you haven't lost your hope. Amen? You haven't lost your hope. You're saying God is my hope. COVID can't ruin God. The election can't ruin God. Division can't ruin God. So my hope is in him. And so we maintain our hope even in the middle of the disappointments, even in the middle of just being so sick and tired of watching the opinion stations because there's no longer any news stations. And we just have to like, I'm done with you. I'm over. We're not dating anymore. <laughs> I'm going to get my news from him. And he gives me good news. The gospel is good news. So we maintain our hope. Abraham had his ups and downs and he had fits of maturity and immaturity and trusting God and not trusting God. He was, he was, but on the, on the bedrock down deep inside, he had a faith in God. He didn't know how God was going to do what God promised him he was going to do. But he said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. Oh, I made a mistake, but I'm still going to trust God. I'm not giving up my hope. He had his ups and downs. God sent Abraham to a mountain. And it looked as though it was going to be a mountain of disappointment. God said to Abraham, I, he said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and that's where you're going to sacrifice him. Take some wood and take the boy. And the Bible says the next morning Abraham set out on the journey. There were animals, I guess donkeys or horses. There was a group of men that traveled with Abraham and Isaac. And when they got to the base of the mountain, Abraham turns to the men and he says, you wait here. 
me and the boy, me and my son are going to go up on the mountain. We're going to worship. And then we are going to come back. Boy, that's an important two-letter word. We are going to come back. Now, I'm not qualified to speak on behalf of Abraham, but there was something in Abraham that said, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know what's really going on here. I just know I've learned the voice of God. I'm going to be obedient to God, and somehow God is going to make a way. If for some reason God allows me to plunge a knife, then God is responsible to raise my son from the dead. But I can just imagine how Abraham's heart must have just leapt when God spoke to him again in that very moment and said, stop, I'll provide. And there was a ram caught in a bush. And that was the sacrifice. There was a sacrifice for the sacrifice. You know, there's another mountain that God had someone climb is the mountain of Calvary. That mountain was to be in that moment a mountain of disappointment. You think about all the disciples, all the apostles, here they are. They have been planning on victory. They've been planning on political success. They're planning on a position on the cabinet, if you will. Somewhere in his government, he's going to place me. They looked at throwing Rome out of the area. They had all these, all these visions they said, if we'll, if we'll just climb the mountain with Jesus, if we'll just follow him until the end, we're, we're going we're to see what we want to see, experience what we want to experience. And now Jesus has been arrested, and now he's been nearly killed with a whip. And now he's on Mount Calvary, hanging on a cross. You talk about disappointment. You talk about dreams shattering. It was in that moment on the disappointment of Mount Calvary that the gold was really there. Because that mountain was planned before the world was created. That mountain was realized in the heart, in the mind, in the eye of God before the world ever was in existence. Before you and I, Adam and Eve, were ever even created. God said, I, there's, there's going to be a, a mountain where everybody's going to be like, what just happened? I can't even believe what I'm seeing right now. I can't even believe that we were going so good and in a week, everything changed. In hours, Jesus is now on a cross. It's over and done. And God is looking down at heaven saying, it's not over and done. It's just begun. He's saying there's gold. There's value. There is a gold that you can't even see right now, but you'll see it soon. Three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He had to, amen, he had to go through that crucifixion in order to conquer death, hell, and the grave. You see, God looked at them and said, look, you're talking about political power. You're talking about influence. You're talking about riches. I'm here to give you the riches that only I can give you, and that is a clean heart and pure hands. I've come to give you a life that only can be given to you by me. It is the gift of God. It says, I am come to forgive you of your sin and to eradicate your guilt. I've come to take you from unrighteousness to righteousness. And the mountain of Calvary is the biggest disappointment when all you see 
is Jesus on the cross. But when we look at the resurrection of Jesus, that's when we realize God has the gold in the mountain of Calvary, and that gold is your salvation and my salvation. It is your eternal life and my eternal life. It is the fact that your sins are forgiven and my sins are forgiven because we accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we can only accept his sacrifice when we recognize his resurrection. If Jesus died and that's it, then we still don't have an answer. We don't know, did he conquer anything? I mean, he's dead. But I do not serve a dead God. I serve a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So you face disappointment. You may be in it right now, but I would submit to you there's gold. There's gold in the middle of that disappointment. Keep your vision, keep your hope, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. I know there's, there's indicators from uh, a couple different avenues that, that there's people in different uh, areas of our country that are watching us on Facebook and, and following. And I just want to speak to those who are on Facebook right now. I just want to encourage you, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. But he rose from the dead to prove that he is God. And he conquered the biggest obstacle that we have, which is not a virus. The biggest obstacle that we have is death. And he conquered death. And he conquered death for you. And I implore you right now, look to Jesus Christ. Call out to him and say, God, would you change my life? Cause me not to fear death because you conquered death. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want to follow you with everything I have. I don't really know how to do that, but Lord, I'm starting today. I'm going to follow you. Call out to God. He is the one that conquered our biggest obstacle, and he will be big inside of your life, and you'll know what it's like to have your sins forgiven and your life completely radically changed by his grace and by his mercy. And that promise is available to everyone in this room right now the grace of God to forgive every one of our sins. I want to talk, speak to you Christians. Those of you who have been serving God for years, take another look at the cross. Take another look at the disappointment. Take another look at the shame. Take another look at the blood. Take another look at the anguish. Take another look at all of the disappointments and remind ourselves it is through that that Christ purchased our eternity. We don't go to heaven because we're good. We go to heaven because Christ is good inside of us. And who is it that has Christ in their lives? The one who's opened up and said, Christ, I'm inviting you in. God made you as a free moral agent. He's saying, I'm going to respect your right. If you don't want me to be in your life, I'll just stay on the peripheral. I'm waiting, I'm longing, I'm pulling, but you've got to ask me into your life. And that's what I encourage you to do today. But those who have already done that, those who are Christians, look again at the cross and recognize if God can pull out such power and value out of all of that disappointment, what can he do in your life right now? What can he do in your life right now? He can break and destroy the bondage that's holding you. He can take those disappointments that are lingering in your life where you're looking back and you just can't get over the disappointment. And God can break that chain and leave that disappointment behind you as you follow him and pursue him. And then when you look back, you have a completely different perspective. You say, yeah, that was bad. 
Yeah, it was bad. But God has freed me from that disappointment. And God has done something unique in my life because of that disappointment. And he's pulled out the gold that is in it and he's given it to me. The value, the forgiveness, the power, the eternal life, the contentment where I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in, in depression. I don't have to live in anguish. I can live in the joy of the Lord. What is the kingdom of God? Paul said it to the Romans. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's what God has for you today.